Welcome to another episode of Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Can you guys hear me over there? It's a little quiet here on uh, my side, but uh, glad you're with us on this Friday, September 9th, here at KHMG, Harvest Family Radio, 88.1 FM, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries, from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. Experiencing a little bit of technical difficulty today with some of our equipment here, but uh, we shall persevere. Glad you're with us. I'm just getting back from a little mini vacation. It was a lot of fun. And now I am uh, fully engaged in Guam time and uh, back in the saddle again, so to speak. I was in Thailand with my wife for our 25th wedding anniversary trip. Thank you to all of you well-wishers who... uh, who uh, sent us little notes or came to our little reception. Um, Pictures will follow soon. So uh, back on the show today, this is episode 182. Now we're talking. Maybe you can hear me as well. Is that something, uh, Chris, could everyone else hear me as well as or not hear me as well as I couldn't hear myself, or was that just me? Well, what we were what we were dealing with there is you were listening to a radio. Oh, well, you were just that's what you were just listening like. to the radio that's okay. under the console. Got it. And Got I it. I didn't I I'm not sure that I let you know that that option was in place. Yeah, I didn't even know that. <laughs> so, was there. meaning we were monitoring the on air signal. Got it. I was for- cranking my volume way up, <laughs> and I was projecting. You were at a baseball game yes, here. <laughs> I was. Oh, so okay, yeah. Sorry yeah, about that. Okay. That was probably something I should have expressed. No, it's okay. We were doing some troubleshooting with some equipment earlier. We and you were trying to see what it we, actually sounded like coming out of yeah, the radio. Yeah, so we had the radio playing and the monitors Got in it. here, and therefore the radio. When I when I hit these two buttons, yes, basically what happens is every output is going from the radio, mm-hmm. not from this board that Got you're it. on here. So. Yeah, so, it yeah. sounded like I was listening to myself on a 1944 Phillips <laughs> yeah, transistor it was a, radio. It was a fireside chat yeah. with yeah, FDR. That's, that's what it felt like. What we would have but to on do the screen, the uh, audio signal was, on, blown out, was right? huge. Yes, so I knew there was something a little off, but I figured I just, you know, in the biz, oh. we just keep going. In the biz, <laughs> we just keep going. <laughs> yeah. So to all yeah. our listeners, we just kept going. So uh, if you got your ears blasted a little bit, or if it sounded a little little uh, wonky, it's because I've been out of country for a while and now i'm just getting back in the swing <laughs> there we go so, all that right was it. Oh, well wow. hey welcome to uh live till five all those out there who are now just turning your volume back down and uh listening uh, like normal citizens uh it is september 9th about 308 p.m here at harvest family radio glad that you're with us rainy 
Friday afternoon. Uh, maybe you're listening on Saturday or Sunday. You know, we rebroadcast the show in its entirety, noon to 2 Saturdays, 7 and 9 p.m. on Sundays. Catch us on The Rebound here on 88.1 FM. You can also listen to the podcast. Just go to khmg.org, and uh, you can click on our archive podcast. You can click on SoundCloud and uh, listen to our podcast there as well. Not just Live Till 5, but all the programs that we produce here locally are available through SoundCloud, and it's a great way to listen at your leisure because many of you aren't wall-to-wall listeners. You don't just sit next to the radio with your ear up to the speaker listening for two straight hours. Sometimes you're just catching us as you're driving through car line, running some errands on your way to or from a sporting event or or uh, the grocery store. Maybe you're still sitting at your desk at work, and between phone calls you're able to listen to uh, the radio. However you're listening to us, we're glad you're with us. If you ever miss part of the show, listen to the rebroadcast or uh, listen to um, the podcast. Excuse me. <coughs> hey, the cough button still works. Now, uh, today being September 9th, the month of September is full of observances. It's a, it's a crazy month as far as uh, observances. I have like 10 pages of observances for September, including but not limited to the AKC Responsible Dog Ownership Month, All-American Breakfast Month, which happens to be my favorite. Chris likes the English breakfast with beans. Uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. They had that at one of the buff at both of the buffets we were at. An English breakfast. They, English breakfast. They must get um, some English visitors. Oh yeah. Eh? Oh yeah. There yeah. were. Matter of fact, uh, I think we were the only American Caucasians at the uh, resort we were at in Southern Thailand. And when we got to Bangkok, there were some other Americans. There, black but. pudding and all. Did uh, it have I didn't black see pudding? any black pudding. No, okay. but there were sausages. Uh, there were beans, bacon, 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 mm. but it's a real wide, like uh, right. pork belly bacon. It right. wasn't like American thin strip. Oh boy. It was, it was, I tried everything but the beans. It's also mm. baby safety month, uh, backpack safety, America month, be kind to editors and writers, blood cancer awareness, children's good manners, childhood cancer awareness, college savings month. That's a good idea. Eat chicken, fall hat. Great American low cholesterol, low fat pizza bake. That's so specific. Come on. That's probably a, a Duncan Hines uh, commercial. Happy Cat, International or National Guide Dog Month, International People Skills Month. In, inter, is that you have to have people skills with other with internationals? Or just that it's an international it's a, event it's observed in, about by people, people around the world? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> International Self-Awareness Month. I guess if you have good people skills, you're also self-aware. International Speak Out Month. Strategic Thinking Month. Square Dancing Month. Li- you're not very good at international people skills if you're in a square dancing. Library Card Sign Up Month. Mm-hmm. We probably just offended one quarter of our listening audience. But uh, Among many other things that are happening. Now, today is uh, Care Bear Share Your Care Day. Anyone? Anyone? What does that even mean? Care Bear? Well, Care Bears were a 1980s. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, now they're coming back. And share your care? Share your care. I think that was maybe the little slogan on the show, you know, when wow. their heart got warmed and mm. rainbows would, like, come out of their nostrils oh, or no. whatever. So, mm. yeah. Yes. Uh, Banana Day, Stand Up to Cancer Day. Tomorrow's Farmer Consumer Awareness Day. International Drive Your Studebaker Day. Hmm. Small group. Prairie Day. Sunday, Pet Rock Day, and, uh, oh, wait, Saturday's still Swap Your Ideas Day, Suicide Prevention Day, Sunday's Grandparents Day, Pet Rock Day, Libraries Remember Day, Miss America Pageant, National Day of Service and Remembrance, because in 9-11, we'll talk about that later, and Hug Your Hound Day, Monday, Video Games Day, just saw uh, one of those 
uh, storage locker shows, and someone found an old NES system, and there was a box of games from 1980s and 90s. The whole box of games was only worth a couple dollars, but then there were three or four games that were worth multiple thousands of dollars. One was a zombie game. One was a uh, NES sports game, uh, kind of like um, uh, Olympic type games. Oh yeah, it was worth. I think it was worth twelve hundred dollars for this one game. And wow. then there was another really uh, small manufactured game where there were just a, a few hundred copies made. And, this guy found it in storage locker. Anyway, they can celebrate uh, that victory on the 12th, which is Monday, Video Game Day. World Maritime Day, International Chocolate Day is next Tuesday. Also, Kid Take Over the Kitchen Day with chocolate. Scooby-Doo Day, National Pet Memorial Day uh, next Wednesday. National Cream-Filled Donut Day. Mm. That's something we were going to bring back some donuts, but I just didn't want to have to carry them all the way from Thailand to yeah, Guam. So sorry, guys. Eight track tape day, felt hat day, google.com day, and Greenpeace day, and National Cheese Toast Day are all on the 15th. 16th, Constitution Day and Pledge Across America Day, International Day for the Preservation of Ozone Layers, uh, Mayflower Day, Play Doh Day, Stay Away from Seattle Day. What's up, what's up with that, Chris? What's the Stay Away from Seattle Day? Have you ever heard of that? Is is that for people in that area that want to just get out of the city and go to the mountains? I mean, or I, I, would I don't assume know. So I mean, I it, don't know. You know, it, usually they're not such negative. Yeah. You know, imprecatory days. Uh, Step family day is also the sixteenth. The seventeenth next Thursday is Responsible Dog Ownership Day, Batman Day, Big Whopper Liar Day, Hmm, Boys and Girls Club Day for Kids, Citizenship Day, Constitution Day, International Eat an Apple Day, International Coastal Cleanup Day, Locate an Old Friend Day, National Gymnastics Day, and National Monte Cristo Day. I wonder if that's the sandwich. Yeah, I love the sandwich. The sandwich is it's very good. Meal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Monte Cristo's. It's a. I'll celebrate that one. That we, we should celebrate together. Yeah. That's uh, next Thursday. We got to find a place that sells Monte Cristo's. They know. used to have one at Lone Star. If it's you, a chicken sandwich, right? Yeah. Isn't it a chicken, like a grilled chicken type sandwich? No, right? Monte Cristo has the French toast with the, mm. isn't that a Monte oh, Cristo? Yeah, I think you're right. With I think the, you're right. With the powdered sugar on yes, it. Yes, it's like a breakfasty oh, sandwich. Oh, man, it's fantastic. That's right. Ooh. Where can we get one of those? So good. We need yeah. someone to make yeah. us one of those. If your restaurant sells that, let us know. Yeah, it's only fair. Or if one you frequent. Yes. Yes, just let us know if there's a Monte Cristo out there somewhere. Uh, it could, uh, it might maybe one of our local breakfast restaurants might make it. We'll, we'll do a little Could research be. on that. We'll have to go out on a field trip on the radio budget on that since it's uh, <laughs> radio-related. But uh, now for one of my favorite segments of the show, something I've missed for the last week and a half since I've been gone. It's called The Buck Stops Here. Words of wisdom from the desks and walls of many successful... Americans, including but not limited to barons of industry, scholars, professors, doctors, lawyers, politicians, presidents, theologians, etc., scientists, and today coaches, head coach of the Duke University men's basketball team, Mike Krzywicki, also coached the United States men's national basketball team. Isn't 2006. that Shashevsky, yes, Mike, he's so famous. <laughs> just go with Coach K. Doesn't it look like Chris Wecky to me? Yes, oh, wow. but it's it Coach is. Chris. But it's Shashevsky. But this is how they say it in Poland. No, they just say Shashevsky. Yeah, Coach K. Coach that's K. it. Coach K. Go Take with that. two. <laughs> Head coach of the Duke University men's basketball team, Mike Shashevsky. 
Also, yes. Coach, as many naive people say, Chris Wicke, uh, the United States Men's National Basketball Team 2006 World Championship, 2008 Summer Olympics, culminating with gold medal at the Olympics, affectionately known as Coach K. He has led the Blue Devils to three NCAA championships, ten Final Fours at the publishing of this book, maybe more since then. This Another is what, gold medal, too, since then. Oh, yeah, that's right. He has also coached NCAA record nine 31 seasons in his tenure. Here's the plaque that's on his desk. Maybe not his quote, but he identifies with it. You can modify behavior, but you can't rehabilitate character. You can modify behavior, but you can't rehabilitate character from Coach K. And that's The Buck Stops Here. How embarrassing. I messed up Coach K's name. No. I'm not a big NCAA basketball fan. I'm more an NAIA obscure rural team fan. No, my my son's going to a rural small college. They're not even in the NAIA. So anyway, hey, that's the Buck Stops here. I love that. Love that. And I didn't get to participate in Buck Stops here when I was in Thailand. I was too busy drinking uh, fresh squeezed lime juice. With a splash of soda water. Oh, it was great. It was just great. It reminded me of the fact that uh, we did just have our drinks come in from the hub. I'll tell you what. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to save the idioms for the second half of the show. We're going to take a short break now and get these drinks handed out. When we come back, this day in history, what's in my coffee? And uh, some random talk about great stuff. Stick around more Live Till 5. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. September 9th is the live broadcast of the show here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. with a little more live till 5 on this Friday, September 9th, 3.21 p.m. If you're listening to the live broadcast, we do this every Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. You can get a hold of us through our website, khmg.org, or find us on Facebook, Harvest Family Radio. Find us on Facebook. Like us, because we want you to like us. We like to be liked. Give us a little feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of the radio station uh, give us some ideas for the show topics of the day etc etc you can always stop by and visit us here at harvest family radio our studios are located on the third floor directly above the hub here on the campus of harvest ministries and uh, you can come up during business hours and meet chris harper and sebastian basil dua and uh, they're both great guys and uh, they just love to be surprised especially if you're bringing Monte Cristo sandwiches, wow. cream donuts, things like that. Man, no kidding. Yeah, you know, it's it seems only fair that people share their bounty with us. I so. could that would be amazing if somebody brought Monte Cristo sandwiches. Wouldn't that be? 
I'd wow. almost fall over. We used to have days. a page boy here Go that imagine. loved doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Remember he oh, made yeah? that cake last Christmas that was the uh, uh, like the turducken of cakes? Um, it was the uh, it was a chirpumple. 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 Yes. That's that it was great. It was great. <laughs> Cherry pumpkin apple, miss him. I think. Yeah. So and he made pancakes on National Pancake Day for us two years ago and he actually emblazoned the logo of the radio station into That's the right. pancakes. It was yeah. really good. That was then ended up being like our Facebook picture for a while. It was so good. So anyway, Monte Cristo sandwiches. Anyone out there? Anyone? Anyone? Those of you that are amateur chefs, we <laughs> appreciate you? it. So anyway, you never know. I'm gonna that we're on the risky. search. That's risky. We're on that the search. Risky. We're we're on the search for uh Monte Cristo sandwiches. So anyway, hey, uh, we are all uh, sitting here, and we're just talking about how much we enjoy uh, the the bounties of working here, including being able to participate in the segment sponsored by Hebrews Coffee Shop and Bookstore, the best little coffee shop on Guam, offering an endless variety of coffees, teas, baked goods, Christian music, books, gifts, and including the largest selection of Yankee Candles. In all the Milky Way. I like it a lot. I go there every day. Not the Milky Way. Well, I guess I do that also. But the Hub, Hebrews, for their coffee drinks. I usually get an Americano. Today I have something that looks like an Americano. Iced, tasty. Excuse me for one second. It's um, it's like an Americano, like an iced Americano, but a little smoother, as if slightly less acidic. Uh, it has the same... Uh, uh, strength as an Americano, but not quite as acidic. I guess that's that's how I would say it. It's iced. It's beautiful. Uh, uh, brown chestnut color, and uh, I'm gonna enjoy it while Chris describes what he's drinking. This is a uh, this is an iced drink. It's got a a substance. The the it's a coffee drink, but there's something that is um, lightening the coffee. And I'm not sure what it is. It, Lightning, it is, like no, making it lighter? It's making it lighter. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what the substance is because I, I can't really taste it, to mm-hmm, be honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just, it's just kind of taken away the coffee taste. Okay. Um, but, yeah, if you this is, this is very coffee-flavored, yeah. but I don't know. I believe these drinks, these drinks are in the experimental phase, and so our feedback is going to be essential Towards our uh, our well, baristas it, making wow. making these things a success. In so, that case, I don't know what to say about it. It's <laughs> it's coffee. It's definitely coffee based with some kind of cream ice drink, but yes. you can't tell what the flavoring is. Can't tell what the flavoring. Is. Uh, now, Sebastian's is almost gone. <laughs> so uh, how do, how does it taste? Give us a few uh, uh, superlatives. I was thirsty. Okay. Um, well, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's iced coffee. I think I think half and half is in it. But I think that's what's lightening it up. But that's all I got, really. Is it sweet or not it's sweet? It's not too sweet. I think it's something you probably want to add sugar to. If, okay. You know, the, I, she probably left that option open. But, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. What about you, Lawrence? Um, all I your th- drinks I think look we have alike. the three same drinks because okay. I think now that I know what I'm going to be in for, like after that first sip, I was kind of expecting sweet like I mm-hmm. usually do. Right. Then it wasn't. Now that I'm, I'm settled in halfway through the drink, I'm very happy it with it. It grows on you, right? Yeah. It it I think I don't think it's it's uh it's creamy enough to be half and half. I think it's just milk. I think it's an ice latte, but the way they're making it mm-hmm. I think is what you're saying is why it's not so acidic and so it doesn't even need as much milk as you would say regular coffee mm-hmm. would. It almost feels like a cold brew, but I don't think they have 
the ability mm. to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where I think it's headed. So you're saying it's it's not exactly what you expected when you got it, but after a while it kind of grows on you. And you oh, finish. it's a good drink. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of like owning a Ford. It's an ice latte. <laughs> it's an ice latte with with I think just some milk in it. Um, but again, most of the time you see these drinks, you're like, oh, this will be like a black and white mm-hmm. and like overly mm-hmm. sweet. Really sweet. Then it wasn't. Right. But now that it's not, I like I like an ice latte. Right. It's, it's right. good. Right. I like it. Yeah. It's just you get surprised sometimes by, like I was in Thailand and they have these, they're famous for making these little candies that look like fruits and vegetables. I mean, down to like even a little like twig leaf coming out of it, but they're miniature versions, but they're actually all like a mochi bean paste candy. And so it's like... Not what it looks like at all, mm-hmm. but once you know what's in it, what it's you're not in bad. For. Yeah, yeah. That's first... pretty much where I'd put this. Well, this is actually you. You are on the right uh, track. If you're a hound dog, the raccoon would be up the tree right now. Um, it's it is a new cold brew. Okay, classic cold brew. That's mine. Vanilla cold brew is what you guys are drinking. So, um, and this is coffee that has been steeped for 18 hours. Vanilla cold brew has in-house vanilla creamer added. So if it's not quite sweet enough, give your feedback to the baristas down there. I know that they are trying to perfect this before we roll it out to the general population. Well, general population is well, in prison. General public. The, the the other reason cold brew is so good is because theoretically you wouldn't have to add as much ice. Right. Therefore, the, the integrity of the coffee stays through the whole drink yes. as opposed to getting hot coffee iced Watered right. down. Coffee is already watered down. Right. Then you throw ice in there and right. you're barely having coffee. And integrity and coffee. I mean, those are two of our core virtues here. Integrity <laughs> and coffee. If <laughs> your coffee can have integrity, I mean, hey, you are you're what you really drink. off That's to a awesome. good start. So, Cold Brew. Hey, thanks uh, to Jeremy Wendell and his crew down there, uh, Megan and uh, the others that are helping us. And uh, thanks to Hebrews for sponsoring this part of the show by giving us these free drinks. And we encourage you listeners... During the weekdays, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., you can stop by the Hub and get a great drink. Don't ask for the cold brew just yet. They're still perfecting it. But within the next couple of weeks, I got a feeling we'll see that as oh, the no, drink Oh, no, create a demand. That's what we need. Uh, sure. We need people. Go in and pound your fist on the counter right. and say, I must have one. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. I must. And say, say that Chris Harper sent me here and said I could have one for That's free. Right. Oh, oh wow. Oh. It's next yeah. level now. See what they say. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what they'll say. People are turning I, around in the street right I think, now. I think some of the presidential candidates are actually offering a free yeah. cold brew drink to every citizen. What? Yes. That, that wouldn't surprise Well, they're going to make the upper 1% pay for ours, but uh, it's free to us. <laughs> Top Good. 1%. No, that's college we'll tuition. Pay for that's college tuition. Coffee. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it is September 9th, coming up on a very. Uh, momentous weekend with september 11th coming up mm. and uh we're gonna be recognizing uh the memorial 15 years later of september 11th and i'll be talking about that a little bit in the second hour but lawrence even though you're no longer a history professor you know more about history than just about anyone else in this room you, you're in the you, top you're pretty four good for for well i'm full of the worthless for, information full like of worthless information yeah, matches yeah. so i know i know you know a little bit about uh you know uh I can't even yeah, remember anything that I That's know. That's about yeah. right. Yeah, sure. I know what color. <laughs> I know what color jacket Napoleon was wearing at Waterloo. Other than that, I'm, I'm not quite sure if I know anything yeah. significant in history that I didn't learn on the History Channel or uh, mm. through Reader's Digest. Mm-hmm. Both quality, so, quality resources. But you, my friend, you are the expert. It's September 9th. What happened this day in history? Uh, well, we'll start back in exactly 1000 A.D. The Battle of Svolder. 
I say it like that because it Stolder? will. Spolder. Svolder. Yeah, Spolder's in your cup. Spolder, Baltic Sea, King Olaf, on board the Long Serpent, defeated in one of this the greatest This sounds like a VeggieTales story. Yeah, but it's a Viking <laughs> battle. Okay. One of the greatest naval battles of the Viking Age. Um, so Svolder, King Olaf, battle. on a serpent giant. <laughs> the Long Serpent. The Long Serpent. <laughs> 1543, Mary Stuart, at nine months old is crowned Queen of Scots in the central Scottish town, Stirling. The crazy thing is, is she is the one that we've talked about up here before, desiring with Philip II to take over England against Elizabeth I, but she will be killed at the time where her son, I believe, was about uh, 13 months old, or a year and a month old, and he will be crowned King of Scots, uh, James VI. Mm. Later will become James I of, of England when... He takes over after Elizabeth the first. Didn't Elizabeth have her imprisoned, and then yes. she was killed later yes, on? Yeah, she did. But it was her own cousin. I mean, she yeah. she's like, listen, you're you're going to try to throw me out. I bet those Thanksgivings were awkward yeah. when they all got together. Yeah, especially when she's got to come. Don't bring pick up, her up cousin Mary. Yeah, Elizabeth's very <laughs> or sensitive her about that. I mean, the whole couple of Marys not not a good scenario there. 1862, Robert E. Lee splits his army and sends Jackson to capture Harper's Ferry. Um, again, not too, that's about the middle of the war is where we're at there. Um, but Jackson, between Jackson, that's such a sad story. One of the greatest Confederate mm. generals, yep. um, killed by his own men. Uh, he was out in a smoke break in the woods and basically the men on watch didn't know what was out there, fired away and, and he ended up getting wounded and later the next day or two, uh, ended up dying. Uh, and who knows if he's alive for the end of that war? There's pos- possible difference of, of who, who knows? Who knows? 1908, Orville Wright makes first one-hour airplane flight, Fort Myer, Virginia. Uh, again, these are the guys that we'd say are responsible for the beginning of flight, uh, or, or bringing the idea and, and uh, making flight happen down at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Um, moving on, let's see. There's a good uh, documentary on History Channel about the Wright brothers versus um, I'm, I, I, the name just escaped me. Their biggest competitor in the early airplane inventing uh, mm. era in America, and how they uh, the companies actually competed all the way into the 20th century and or mid 20th century, even World War II era, because um, uh, this other inventor he he basically invented a much better plane, and he had the he had the creativity, and his company actually continued on, whereas the Wright brothers, when one of the brothers died, the other one, uh, I think Wilbur is the one who survived, he ended up kind of losing losing the mm. vision for um, inventing and kind of gave up on it. But yet the Wright brothers are the ones who will always be remembered as the fathers of modern flight there in Kitty Hawk. Yeah, they were definitely influential um, during their time and today. Thankful for them to be a different trip leaving Guam. 1945, first bug, quote, in a computer program discovered by Grace Hopper. A moth was removed with tweezers from a relay and taped into the log. Wow. There you go. First bug, where we get the bugs is because a bug was found uh, in a computer Hmm. at one point. Uh, So... Thought that would probably Got be it. Uh, yes. the way like it was. Like the game of operation. And mm-hmm. Take the tweezers. Tweezers and, and take the, the collarbone out. Or the funny bone. <laughs> 1950, first use of TV laugh track yep. by the Hank McCune Show in the U.S. 
uh, that has now. Hey, we need one of those. Revolutionized. Yeah, we we a should. Laugh track. And that we have a mute. Yeah. We have a mute button and a laugh button. People would just be rolling, right? I in the early days of the <laughs> right. show when I was up here all alone for a whole summer, I might or might not have had a laugh track and uh, oh. like clapping and applause and things like that. Oh, yes. Because I was lonely. That's one way to do it. It would be like being on the moon. You is, know? That, that, yes. is that what they do in the biz? That's that's what they used to do in the biz. That's, yeah. yeah that's what they <laughs> I heard up until about 2015, yes, they did that in the biz. It was a well, common, common in the best common of shows. Occurrence. In the best yes. of shows. That's why we're here, to laugh at the jokes. That's, yes. That's right. Providing that they're Boy, funny. You guys are very that. faithful. Very faithful. You guys get paid overtime for that. That's great. Good stewardship on our part. <laughs> Free coffees for everyone. Hey, there you go. <laughs> um, President Reagan orders sanctions against uh, South Africa. You have, that was in 1985, um, part of his, he, he comes up in a lot of, in a lot of um, news things recently. People like just playing some of his recordings, um, his patriotic type recordings, um, good president that way um back in the 80s 1987 larry bird begins nba free throw streak of 59 which is pretty long 1987 mlb pitcher nolan ryan strikes out his 4500 batter that's pretty incredible yep and uh the last thing i think i have down here at the bottom sorry a lot of scrolling um is you know, one second of silence on radio is like ten minutes of silence in real life. Yeah, it is. It's like dog ears. I've had two I thought of those we today. needed a laugh track right there. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. Four thousand five hundred. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II becomes Great Britain's longest reigning monarch of sixty-three years and seven months, beating the previous record set by her great-great-grandmother, Queen Victoria. Yep, that's what I had to get to. Yes, so. and you know that she is the second longest reigning monarch. Ever. Around right now, and where you were, King of Thailand, as the longest, is barely ahead of her. I think same year, like they're they're within a very short window of time from each mm-hmm. other. But the King of Thailand has been very sick mm-hmm. uh, for um, King Bumi. I, I can't pronounce his whole name, but he has been very sick for like ten years. He's been pretty much in the hospital, and now he's uh, suffering from renal failure, I believe. Oh, wow. And they expect at 83 years old or whatever that he's not going to live much longer. But the country mm. is really on the verge of not knowing what's going to happen. The traditionalists want to have the prince become the next king, but uh, there are many people who uh, think that the princess is a much more philanthropic leader or go to more of a representative government because basically it is the this is what my friend said they're the nicest dictatorship on the planet Hmm. it's very capitalistic it's very freedom loving but they have this one unique little thing having a a king that requires total devotion and they can throw you in prison as a foreigner for um dissent for just about anything and i believe they can hold you up to like six months for uh, being basically non-supportive of the king. They have his picture on almost every building, his name on almost every building. Every place you go into, there's a picture of him and his wife. Um, it's it's just an unusual situation. Hmm. But, it, you know, pragmatically speaking, it works. Their, their, their country works very well in many ways. And then the king sometimes will weigh in to help settle a dispute. They almost worship 
the king. Mm-hmm. They're Buddhist, right. but they almost worship the king. So anyway, hey, Lawrence, I'm full of worthless information. See what I mean? Oh, well, that was good. You just you go. um, reaffirmed all of that by just yeah. being there. So yeah, well, cool. you know, I, I had a great time. You guys got to go. It's it's yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, uh, visiting Thailand as a vacation. So awesome. Anyway, hey, thanks for bringing us uh, this day in history, and listeners, thanks for hanging around. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, the idioms of the day, the news, and many other interesting things, including our topic of the day, and a little bit of 9/11 history and memorial in the second hour. So stick around. More live till five after this short break. With a little more live till five, I'm your host Jared Baldwin, sitting here in the captain's chair here at the studios of KHMG Harvest Family Radio, eighty-eight point one FM, Barragata, Guam, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries, looking out across the campus out of our window, peering out onto the soccer field as I'm looking at uh, middle school boys soccer team gearing up to take on. Uh, an opponent team, I'm not sure who it is, a white team, white uniforms against our navy blue boys should be starting in just a little bit of time. They need to get the game in before it gets too dark. Overcast skies, so it will be a dark, uh, early dark game, so maybe they'll start the game a little earlier. Glad that you're with us this afternoon, 3.44 p.m. here on Friday, September 9th. You can catch the show noon to 2 Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Catch us on the rebound. If you ever miss part of the show, you want to Listen back through it, uh, looking for an alternative as you're driving around or doing something on the weekends. We broadcast at those times on purpose because Saturdays we find a lot of people are out running errands. They're looking for something just to tune into, and it's a nice little time slot to uh, broadcast. And Sunday nights, of course, we're trying to catch the uh, on-your-way-home-from-church crowd. And so you might be listening right now, and you're one of those on-my-way-home-from-church people. Uh, You're probably not on your way home from Harvest Baptist Church right now because we don't get out for another 15 minutes. But... Uh, on your way home from church from another church, maybe you are. So glad that you're with us, however you're listening to us. You can catch the podcast, khmg.org. There's a number of different ways through the website that you can listen to previous broadcasts. You can click on archives, click on SoundCloud. SoundCloud's a place that we store not only our podcasts of this show, but of other locally produced programs, which I think you'll really enjoy. And you can subscribe to that. Then, um, I'm subscribed to SoundCloud, and I get a little note on my phone every time a new program has been uploaded to SoundCloud, which is really cool. And uh, then, of course, you know, most people listen through 88.1 FM on the radio dial here locally, but uh, you can listen all around the world online, and uh, you can listen to a live stream. You can also go to hbcguam.net, and you can click on KHMG there and listen to the live stream of our radio broadcast 24 hours a day, seven days a week, broadcasting beautiful Christian music and Bible-based programming. 
Uh, even our news has a Christian worldview. We're unashamedly Christian. We're not trying to hide that. We're not trying to water that down. This show on Friday afternoons is is probably the lightest weight thing that we do, and it's really intended just to give you an alternative, entertain you a little bit, uh, inform you at times, edify you in your Christian walk always, and uh, educate you sometimes on things that are happening. We try to let you know things that are happening in the community. Sometimes we'll talk about big issues in Christianity in general, and uh, we'll have guests come in from time to time, talk about different special events as well. So uh, you stay tuned. Every week's just a little bit different, but we do have some things that we do the same every week, like This Day in History, as Lawrence Nangas was just here with us. Also like What's My Coffee, which we... we we joke around a lot with that, but it is a fun way to introduce what's happening down at the Hub. We like to promote it, and uh, we like to uh, send as much business their way as possible because uh, they're just a group of great people. And what you might not know about the Hub, and this is just a little side note, but all the proceeds above and beyond their cost go to missions projects. So in a secular way of saying it, they go to humanitarian projects. In a Christian worldview way of saying it, they go to missions projects. The the probably now approaching thirty to forty thousand dollars that have been given to missions projects since the formation of the hub or Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop have gone towards things like building church buildings, um, typhoon relief in the outer islands of Yap and Chuuk. Uh, putting a roof on a church in Pohnpei, helping buy vans and buses for missionaries all around the world, uh, sponsoring um, uh, pastors to attend Bible colleges all around the world, helping with trips where the gospel would be taken e- even into closed or, or limited access countries. Um, among other things, we, we've just had so many neat projects we've been able to do with the revenue generated through the hub and uh, it all goes there. All that additional revenue goes there. So really a neat opportunity. So if you ever stop by the hub and you buy a drink, you can know that a percentage of that, basically what would normally be a profit if it was a for-profit coffee shop, that goes to missions projects. And so um, we're not the cheapest coffee shop in town, but uh, we're also not the most expensive. It's a reasonably priced uh, uh, product and a really good quality, people that really care you know, something neat, we have uh, one of our new employees there. She's worked for uh, a large uh, coffee shop chain in the States, and so she's bringing a lot of experience with her, along with Jeremy Wendell. That's Megan. And then Jeremy Wendell, of course, has a lot of retail background. So go in there and talk to them. And uh, even if you're not a coffee drinker, they've got smoothies, teas. They've got uh, some fresh baked goods. We get some some good stuff also brought in from Parisco Bakery. And uh, all the proceeds of that is what goes to missions. And so... Uh, plus, they've got some good books and music, and as I always joke about, but the truth is we do have the largest selection of Yankee candles on Guam. There's just not a lot of places to get those. It's kind of been a niche market, a uh, crazy thing. My mom was the one who originally recommended selling Yankee candles, and we all kind of were like, well, okay, we'll give it a try. Well, they really do sell, and and even though it's not always the easiest thing to get uh, big, heavy candles brought to Guam, um, we always seem to have a steady market for those, and uh, it's a neat gift that you can give. And so I'd encourage you to stop by, check us out again, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., Monday through Friday. And then after church services, the coffee shop's open as well, and the bookstore. It's a great place to just hang out. They have free Wi-Fi there. It's a great place to meet people. If you come early and drop kids off for school or you need to meet with someone here at the ministry, it's that's the number one place to go 
and uh, it's pretty common. You'll see one of us in there as well. So uh, stop by the hub. That was a little shameless self-promotion. Hey, let's talk about some idioms. This is from the Dictionary of Idioms by Marvin Turban. More than 700 sayings and expressions. Scholastic book here given to us by PC, one of our faithful listeners. She's been a listener since the very beginning. And she likes the Stranger Than Fiction and This Day in History. But she heard us talking about idioms back when uh, Nick Brown first introduced the idea of going through some idioms on the radio here. And she said, hey, I've got a book for you. And she gave me this book. And so I've been using this every week. Here are some idioms. A finger in every pie. What does that mean? Well, it means to have part in something, to be involved in many matters, businesses, or activities. The person who made up this saying might have been thinking of people who can't decide on what pie they want, blueberry, pecan, peach, so they stick a finger in every pie to get a taste of each. Think of each pie as a different business or project, and when you put your finger into a pie, you have a part of interest or responsibility in that activity. People often participate in many activities to make extra profit for themselves. So, you know, these idioms, uh, for some of us that grew up maybe, you know, in the Midwest and English is our first language, uh, these idioms are so common, but people that maybe didn't grow up in the continental United States or they come from ESL homes where either their parents uh, learned English as their second language or maybe you are an English second language listener. Some of these idioms you hear people saying, but you have no idea what they mean. Well, I'm here to help. How about this one? Fish or cut bait. This is a unique one. It means do one thing or another, but stop delaying. Make a choice, act now, or give someone else a turn. Fish or cut bait. This idiom, popular since the 1800s, is a metaphor that refers to a person who holds a fishing rod but doesn't fish. Someone else could use that rod to catch some fish. The procrastinator might be asked to either drop the line in the water and fish or cut the bait from the line and let another angler have a chance. So fish or cut bait. How about this one? A fish out of water means a person who is out of his or her usual place. Pretty pretty easy to figure that one out. How about fit as a fiddle? Fit as a fiddle. It means to be in good health. Uh, expression dates from the, at least the early 1600s. Fit has always meant to be in good health. But why was it joined with fiddle? Well, probably because fit and fiddle are a good example of alliteration. And a fiddle that's fit or well-tuned is in good shape and it plays terrific music. So if you're fit as a fiddle, you're in good shape. Fit like a glove. This means uh, a person or thing fits perfectly to be exactly right. The expression from the 18th century first referred to only gloves. If a glove fit, it wasn't so loose that it fell off, and it wasn't so tight that it was hard to pull on. If it fit perfectly, it kept your hands warm. Okay, so now many things can fit like a glove. Here's a few more. Fix your wagon. Fix your wagon. I'm going to fix your wagon. Well, here you go. Uh... It means to get even with or punish someone, to thwart or frustrate another uh, or cause his or her failure in something. Some people think this idiom may have come from the days of the great westward migration in the America's 1800s when the covered wagon was the main means of transportation. One meaning of the word fix is to take revenge upon or get even with. It might also mean tying up or holding secure and tying up a wagon so it cannot roll away. To fix someone's wagon means to plot against that person do something bad to him or her. I'll fix their wagon. That means you're going to take revenge. How about a flash in the pan? And here's another uh, westward, uh, uh, maybe a, a little American expression here. Temporary success, which yields no long-term results, a flash in the pan. In the 1600s, there was a popular gun called the flintlock musket. When the trigger was pulled, sparks were su- 
supposed to make the gunpowder in a small pan um, on the gun go off and explode the main charger, but sometimes there was only a flash in the pan and no big explosion. Today, flash in the pan is very person who showed great early promise, sparks, but never lived up to his or her full, her full potential explosion. I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have thought that had to do more with like uh, mining, like uh, looking for gold in a river. But flash in the pan has to do with muskets. This is one I've never heard. Floatsome and jetsome. Flotsome and jetsome or floatsome and jetsome. Meaning a collection of mostly worthless or useless objects. Uh, I wonder if this applies to information because I'm full of that. Odds and ends. Any objects found floating or washed ashore, rubbish and refuse. The word flotsam or floatsam and jetsam date from the early 1500s. Floatsam means all the wreckage and cargo floating in the ocean after a shipwreck. And jetsam, jetsam is cargo and equipment floating in the water that is thrown overboard to lighten uh, the, the load of the ship that's in danger of sinking. Chris, have you heard of this before? Yeah, I've actually used that before, flotsam and jetsam. Really? Right? Yeah. And what yeah. what like what oh, it's context? Like, like if there's like if there's a mess that's around, you said, "Oh, you have all this flotsam and jetsam all over the place." Wow. Yeah. I I have not only have I never heard that, I would not have known what direction to even go with that. Yeah. So yeah. flotsam and jetsam. Yeah, like if the kids make a mess in the house, you could say that. Like there's flotsam and jetsam everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it goes back to these two real things. Flotsam is from a shipwreck, and jetsam is from things thrown overboard to lighten the ship so it won't wreck or sink. Right, right, right. Wow, wow. Okay, flotsam yeah, and jetsam. I, that one. Hmm. I might have to use that today somehow. Fly by night. Means uh, selling for quick profit, a fly-by-night operation. Goes all the way back to the 1800s. A person in in business that would sneak away. Could have also to do with, like, witches who are supposed to be flying at night on brooms. Who knows? By the seat of your pants. Fly by the seat of your pants. This is one that I live every day. Doing something by instinct and feel without earlier experience or instruction. Okay, maybe not every day. This phrase was popular among members of the U.S. Army Air Corps in the 1930s. Often there were fewer nor instruments on the planes. Sometimes the instruments didn't work, so they just fly by the seat of their pants. Yeah. It, yeah, it reminds me of this show uh, many weeks. <laughs> Here's two more, and then we'll wrap up this hour. Fly in the ointment. Saying comes from the Bible. Ecclesiastes 10.1. Thousands of years ago, people realized that a tiny nuisance can sometimes ruin something very pleasant. Ointment is a creamy substance that soothes, softens, and heals the skin. Finding a fly in the ointment would certainly ruin it. It means a small annoyance that spoils an otherwise pleasant situation. And finally, to fly off the handle. You ever done this before? Many Americans in the early 1800s used handmade tools with axe heads to chop down the trees and build houses. The tools were often crudely made, and an axe head would fly off the handle during furious chopping. The flying axe head is much uh, like an angry person who's out of control. It means to lose your tempo, temper, to become furiously angry, to fly off the handle. Maybe some of you fly off the handle uh, sometimes. I know that I have flown off the handle myself like a... Sometimes when there's flotsam and jetsam all over the floor... Then you, my, you're going to yeah, fly off I want to fly off That's the right. handle. Matter of fact... I try not to. You're, you're going to go home for you know a nice meal with the family, and then the flying the ointment is that there's flotsam and jetsam everywhere, and then you fly off the handle. That's exactly that right. Is, that, is, that is a perfect 
that makes perfect sense to us, but uh, maybe some of our ESL friends might be scratching their head like, what in the world did they just say? That makes no sense at all. Well, that's why you listen to this show, because we help help. They're in learn. a pickle, aren't they? They're in a pickle. Oh, boy, that'll probably come up next week, because we're working our way through the alphabet. Today was the letter F. Next week, we'll move on to maybe some G words, so that'll be good. Fat chance. Oh, boy. You're full of idioms. <laughs> To even it's be true. full of is probably an idiom. I mean, if you think right. about that. You're not actually true. full of idioms. True. You know what I was listening to the other day? Um, I was listening to Heart of Harvest, and, and Pastor was talking about diving into Philippians. It was from mm. a Philippian mm. series. And it was kind of funny because he said on there, um, he said, we're going to literally dive into Philippians today. And it was just, it's kind of like an idiom because he's he's like saying, like they're going to literally right. dive in. Yes, right. And so my wife and I kind of chuckled because it was funny that he said that we were going to literally, literally dive in. Dive in. I understand what he means. We're going to we're going right. to get right into the text. Right. right. But it sounds like you you know you've got your swim trunks on mm-hmm. and you're, you're prepared. Right for on a dive. the edge. He's on the edge and of the platform, boom. getting ready to literally dive in. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's we funny. add literally to the beginning of something we're going to say for emphasis. Right. I am seriously considering this. I talked to my wife about this. Having a a jar in my office that has three or four things on it that if you say it in my office, you have to put money in the jar. Literally is one. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact. Um, to be honest. To be honest oh, and yeah. actually. Oh, yeah. Those four things, you add to what you say, but they don't necessarily strengthen what you're saying. It's just um, – it's it's uh it seems like it's adding strength to what you're saying, but uh, other than diving into Philippians, which literally was the best thing could be said, but uh, other than that, it is really one of those things that I I, I want to somehow cash in on this uh, craze of right. saying these these worthless idioms. Anyway, it's a good idea. Well, hey, it's the end of the first hour, and uh, thank you, listeners, for hanging around. We have a whole nother hour to go, so stick around. You're listening to Live Till Five. Here on KHMG, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam, 88.1 FM. Stay tuned for SRN News and come back for a second hour of Live Till 5. And we're back with the second hour of Live Till Five. You know, some things just aren't the same. Hard to recreate. It is, yeah. You know, you can't do it. We, you know, we we've worked with legends before, and it's hard to uh, recreate the legend. <laughs> That's of true. Nick Brown's Baba Yetu celebration. You know, it reminded me of that. There was a post on Facebook that Nick was tagged in from down in Georgia. Oh, really? And he was he was kind of sitting yes. up on a desk, right? And I thought it reminded me of the Baba yep. Yetu, yep. You know, shenanigans that sure. he would pull. Sure. Behind the scenes, he, we should uh, 
we should send him a link to this SoundCloud uh, podcast of this because he could listen to himself. Yeah, because someone said, you know, nothing better than Nick Brown and a cup of coffee in the morning or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And, you know, our Friday afternoons, uh, that was kind of the same. So, yeah. Nick Brown, you made a permanent impression. Some of it I wish I could scrub from my mind. Some of it was uh, really positive. So, but for our listening audience, uh, uh, Nick Brown would, anytime this song specifically came on, he would stand up on the couch and start doing kind of a opening exercise dance that had an African feel. You know, Nick grew up part of his life in South Africa, and so something inside of him just would come out. Right. And then we'd all start cracking up. We'd have to extend the bumper song and listen to it longer, which made him dance longer because we didn't want to come back on the air so uh, ill-composed. And so... Uh, yeah, so that was Nick Brown. Um, and the song Nick Brown hated, and this was a little before your time, Chris, is we had a song called Merrily Kiss the Quaker. And it was uh, it was a little like right. uh, Irish jig. Still in song. there, actually. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah. And we made that his bumper originally. Yes. And he just hated it. And so we switched to Baba Yetu, and then he was super happy. What, what Probably happens, leading to the dance. What happened with the thing where you would play Dixie or whatever? Oh, and yeah. And you would... Well, what what Nick would sometimes come with a song of the week, right? right. And so um, I was trying to. So he would pick a classical song. You yes. know, it was like uh, Pachelbel's Canon or yeah. uh, you know uh, Vivaldi. Or I remember winter, that. Right? Yeah. So uh, what what I would do is um, I had Dixie. Uh, you know, I wish it wasn't Dixie. That song, um, kind of a, a very hillbilly sounding version of that. And the song of the week, I would in- invariably, about every other time, click on Dixie instead right? and start talking about it and l- see how long it would play before he would get very infuriated. Right. He, not only did he hate the song, it was so opposite of what he was trying to do with his little segment. It kind of right. It would kind of start him off. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, in a way, it was better to have Nick uh, off script. You know, he did yes. good. He did well um, without being totally prepared. So yes. by throwing him off, we actually got the best of Nick Brown. It's like the essential. He is like the cold brew of Nick Brown, basically. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. going to send him a link to this podcast because I want him to hear how much we've memorialized him uh, on this show today. Right. He'll be honored. So speaking of being honored, uh, Chris, we're honored to have you here doing the news. That's what we call a segue in the biz. Yes. And uh, you said we don't have much local news, but you have some uh, international? Uh, national slash international news. It's mostly international news, I would think. This is from srnnews.com. SRN News, we carry every hour. Some of these stories they have covered a bit, and others um, I got from their website that I haven't heard them cover yet today. The first is that North Korea has conducted its fifth nuclear test on Friday. After meteorological agencies reported a surface-level seismic tremor near the North's known test site that indicated it was its most powerful yet, the U.S. Geological Survey and European agencies measured the quake. It was at a magnitude of 5.3. North Korea conducted its fourth nuclear explosion in January and followed it up, as we've reported here, with a series of missile tests despite severe United Nations sanctions. Now, that in and of itself is kind of a, a funny statement because it's usually just a harshly worded... Uh, yeah, Captain uh, Feathersword uh, right. tickled them, yes. Yeah. yeah. 
On Monday, it fired three medium-range missiles during a G20 summit in neighboring China that was attended by U.S. President Barack Obama and other world leaders. If a nuclear test is confirmed, it would be uh, it would have been timed uh, to coincide with North Korea's anniversary, its 1948 foundation as a republic. Yeah, and China's not happy about that either, even though China is definitely uh, more and friendly with North Korea. Right. Uh, they do not like the nuclear testing as well, from what I've read. Right, because— I mean, having North Korea with nukes is just a bad idea no matter who yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, not a stable uh Eventually, someone situation. is going to do something about that. I mean, it's just a matter of time before, you know, a rogue nation like that, yeah. having nuclear weapons is bad for the whole world. And I think they're probably better off not doing the testing. I, I right. think they feel that it's— a. Sh- a show of power. Right. I, I think it's probably uh, not the best idea. Right. Yep. yep. Yeah. Because of that uh, threat. A British Airways flight has been diverted to Boston's Logan International Airport because of an unruly passenger. The flight originated in London and was heading to Orlando when it was diverted Thursday afternoon. U.S. Customs and Border Protection and Massachusetts State Police removed a 24-year-old man from the plane. State police say they will be summoning him for uh, uh, summonsing him. I'm sorry for interfering with the flight crew. The unidentified man was from Glasgow, Scotland. British Airways has apologized to those affected by the incident, saying disruptive behavior will not be tolerated. The flight was able to continue on to Orlando a short time later, but I'm sure the passengers on board were not too happy with that gentleman. No. Honda Motor Company on Thursday said it was recalling about 668,000 vehicles in Japan to replace airbag inflators supplied by the Takata Corporation. Japan's second largest automaker said it had recalled models including its Fit subcompact hatchback model and the Civic and Accord sedan models as well. The latest announcement takes Honda's global tally of recalled airbags to about 51 million. That's around half of the roughly 100 million slated for recall worldwide. So there's another 49 million to go here. Uh, These inflators uh, have a risk of exploding with an excessive force. Now, defective airbags have been linked to at least 14 deaths and 150 injuries worldwide and are at the center of the auto industry's biggest ever product recall. Officials in New Hampshire, in the city of Summersworth, have voted to reinstall the municipality's controversial Ten Commandments monument to its original location, which was next to City Hall. Now, this is sort of the opposite of stories you usually hear, which are of the tearing down of monuments. So something um, happening, actually, it's sort of positive from my perspective. And New Hampshire is uh, was traditionally a conservative state. Right. But has of recent uh, had liberal leadership at the high, like the governor and things like that. And a lot of that they believe is because of. Uh, people from more liberal states, Vermont and Massachusetts, moving across the border and kind of uh, taking over control of things. And so you have right. a lot of political correctness gone gone awry there. Well, the Fraternal Order of the Eagles had gifted this granite Ten Commandments tablet to the city in 1958. And then it was toppled by a group of unidentified vandals back in August following 
objections to its religious implications. So there had been some discussion about whether or not it should be there. It was vandalized. Mayor Dana Hilliard said that he's been advised that the monument is compliant with the First Amendment. It's shocking that he even has to make that point, but it's protected by the First Amendment and meets the constraints of church and state separation, which, of course, there is no constraints of church and state separation. It's not anywhere to be found in the Constitution. But uh, anyway, so that was wow. a little commentary by me on that yeah. part, editorializing. But that's great. It's an interesting You're story. You're the station that manager. You back. can editorialize all you like. Sure. Why not? Absolutely. I mean, there's not enough of that on the radio anyway. There's not enough of that. But, of course, people believe the the all the all the different research they do here lately um when they ask people if the idea of separation of church and state is in the constitution of course it's a right. huge right. majority of people say right. that it is it's not it actually comes from a letter sent to Thomas Jefferson from the Danbury Baptist Association right. in which they are trying to argue that they should be allowed to practice freely their baptist faith and that they want to be sure that uh, their rights are protected in the Constitution, to which Thomas Jefferson says, oh, absolutely, You're, nothing will infringe right. your right, right, because there is a, a wall erected between separation of church and state. Right. So anyway, there's a little, little history on that. But pretty much everybody believes, including, including judges on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Right, right. This invention that 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 somehow exists, right? It's crisscrossed with the um, uh, Bill of Rights and the freedom of religion, right? And I think often mis uh, uh, attached. I guess you could say it's it's attached to the freedom of religion, the the separation of church and state. But those are actually two separate and independent concepts. One is a constitutional Bill of Rights. You know, uh, yeah. not going to change the freedom of religion. The separation of church and state is a concept, a, a, a construct. It's not. Sure. It's not a. Uh, it's not a constitutional. And and the thing about it is, Baptists actually believe in a separation of church and state. That's right. Meaning that we 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 don't believe at all in the idea of um, the church dictating what happens in the rest right. of society because we leave, believe in individual right. soul liberty right. and that basically you can you you have the the perfect right to accept God and to accept Christ but also the perfect right to reject Christ and go your own way and live your own uh you have to accept the consequences for that right. but there is no there is no state interference right. in your personal soul right. liberty so that's a that's a um Meaning, hearkening back to the Danbury Baptist Association, they believed in the idea that people could live um, however they chose to live and that they should not uh, oppress others from a state-sanctioned position. Right. And that benefited many different uh, religious points of view in in the early days of the United States. And Rhode Island and Roger Williams, uh, the founder of Rhode Island— was the the first to really um, uh, make his uh, colony, which is now the state of Rhode Island, uh, a state where there was no state religion, whereas many people don't realize that in the early colonies, each state did have a religious 
preference or a state religion. I believe Virginia was an Anglican state uh, where Thomas Jefferson was at. So it'd right. be very interesting to go back and look at that history. But uh, Rhode Island really was the first state to have no state religion. Um, right. There was no persecution, I don't believe. But uh, Well, there was quite a bit of persecution um, in the early colonies um, from a, a standpoint of uh, when those, especially Baptists, mm. who didn't embrace um, the the um, Puritan mm. ideals, right, right, um, especially if they believed this idea that you actually could reject God, mm. that was a very, very uh, abrasive concept to the Puritans. Who um, so there's a, there's a whole discussion about. Um, we, I was involved in Wisconsin with uh, the development of a. Uh, of a documentary regarding uh, the early Baptist heritage um, in New England, John Leland and mm. some of these guys. And um, uh, there was a, I think it was a, maybe a 10 week uh, series of lessons that I was in, in um, uh, regarding uh, freedom of religion and a universal religious liberty which is not to be confused with religious liberty because religious liberty can mean that you have adopted a religious viewpoint and you believe that is the true viewpoint and you allow others to practice their religion. That's, that's the case in a lot of countries in the mm-hmm. world where, so we know what the truth is, right? Right. But we'll allow you to practice your thing, even though we know you're wrong. Right. Well, universal religious liberty doesn't take that position. It basically says, that everybody is allowed to practice their religion and we haven't adopted any, you know, there's no baseline. Right. Right. For reality. We're saying that you have the ability to live within the, the con Hmm. the, the dictates of your own conscience. So the, the early, uh, the founding fathers, the early, uh, group certainly believed in universal religious liberty and not just simply. Right. Religious liberty. So right. a lot of court cases are based on right. this. Many, many missionaries are cases. experiencing uh, countries where they have religious liberty clauses, right. but like no proselytization, no converting. So sure. you can be in Indonesia, and as long as you're talking to other people that are already Christians, right. but you cannot convert Muslims. So although they say it's, they have freedom of religion, they only have freedom to remain in the religion they're in unless they're kind of an undeclared free agent then they can be converted, and then expats can have right. their own religion. That's so. like a modified religious liberty ideal, yeah. whereas yeah. whereas in America we practice universal religious liberty, which you know, which is why if you hear people arguing about whether or not Muslims should be allowed in the United States, uh, folks who are advocates of universal religious liberty say, uh, we have no choice but to allow— Muslims to remain in the United States. There's there's a lot of uh, oh yeah. Current day if you issues. add in the worldviews, right. Mix that in, you know, as far as uh, the viewpoint of evolution and right. and modern uh, science, and it, you know, does that limit uh, the universal uh, religious liberty? Because if you don't have that point of view, we'll tolerate you, but just don't teach what you believe, don't speak publicly, things like that. So right. it has a lot of implications in uh, contemporary. News. So, hey, thanks a lot, Chris. That was, yep. that was informative. And you know what? You can rant anytime you like. Was that a rant? 
It was no, no. I'm just saying that yeah. you know it's it's kind of a, 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 a oh, it's a rabbit trail. It was, it's a, a rabbit trails rabbit are trail. good. Rabbit trails are fine. You know, um, as long as it's not a goat rope. A goat you know, rope. A goat rope. Yeah, you know, which is a kind of a, a worthless exercise, right? Like you tie a goat right. up and it can eat through the rope. So. Uh, yeah, great. Uh, and an excellent use of idioms as well. So thanks a lot, Chris. And uh, Chris is our station manager, all-around good guy, and the purveyor of news every week for us here on Live Till 5. And uh, glad he could be with us. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I have the topic of the day, including talking a little bit about September 11th and memorializing that, some stats from September 11th. It seems like so long ago, yet uh, such a vivid memory, permanently changing the way America looks at the world. And then talking about our topic of the day, which I'll bring up when we come back. So stick around. More Live Till 5 after this short break. This is KHMG 88.1 FM Harvest Family Radio. We believe strong, committed families build strong communities and nations. That's why we seek to build your faith 24 hours a day on KHMG. back with a little more live till 5 4 26 p.m on friday september 9th it's a beautiful day a little bit overcast see the boys warming up to kick off for their middle school boys soccer game here at harvest christian academy looks like it's about 80 degrees outside only 45 percent humidity believe it or not barometric pressure 29.71 looks like it's holding steady there the 9th of september Episode 182, and glad that you're with us on this Friday afternoon. Maybe you're listening on Saturday to our rebroadcast, noon to 2 on Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights. Catch us on the rebound. You can also listen to the podcast through khmg.org. Click on SoundCloud, install that on your computer or smart device. You can listen to the podcast, not only of this show, but other locally produced programs here at KHMG. You can also get notifications that let you know when the latest podcast has been uploaded. You can listen online through www.hbcguam.net. You can listen to a live stream of our radio broadcast that way. 88.1 FM, the good old-fashioned way, is how many people catch us on their car stereos or on a little radio on their desk or at home. We also have people that uh, uh, listen through our archives. We have a bunch of old broadcasts that we have archived through khmg.org. We also hear periodically from you through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio. Find us on Facebook through Harvest Family Radio. Like us, give us a thumbs up, leave us some feedback. We appreciate constructive criticism, ideas. We know that we don't get it all right. Sometimes maybe we we need some fresh ideas from you, the listening audience. Some of you that know my cell number, I get texts throughout the show. And earlier I was going on about uh, how 
I want to put a jar, a collection jar in my office, and anytime someone says absolutely or uh, says like actually or as a matter of fact or the truth is, I want to make them donate to my jar. And uh, someone texted me and said, I think absolutely, quote unquote, should be on your jar too. He he. And I said, absolutely right in my text back to them. Tongue in cheek there. But uh, glad you're with us today. Now, every week we have a topic of the day. We kind of have a two-fold topic. One's more serious, September 11th. I want to talk about that the last few minutes of the show. But for the next uh, 15 minutes or so, I'd like to talk about this topic. Prison Breaks, Great Escapes, and America's Most Wanted. Such a happy topic on a Friday afternoon. But uh, the point of this show is to entertain you a little bit and uh, sometimes just put a little smile on your face, sometimes get you thinking about things, sometimes get you talking about things, and hopefully some interesting topics. Sometimes they seem so random. Some of these are stranger than fiction because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction, but I don't have a whole stranger than fiction segment today like I normally would. I just interwoven some of the stories because there's just so much out there about prison breaks, great escapes, and America's most wanted. So let's get right after it here. Um, the thing that got me thinking about this was the Fox News article that came out yesterday, actually today in Guam, yesterday in the States. Self-styled sleuths sue. Boy, that's hard to say. Self-styled sleuths sue FBI for D.B. Cooper files. Now, if you know who D.B. Cooper is, kudos to you. A team of self-styled cold case sleuths believe that they have solved the 45-year-old mystery of D.B. Cooper and on Thursday announced a federal lawsuit they claim could force the FBI to prove that they are right. On November 24, 1971, a passenger who called himself Dan Cooper told a flight attendant on Northwest Orient Flight 305 from Portland to Seattle that he had a bomb in his briefcase. Once the plane landed, Cooper swapped the passengers for parachutes and a suitcase bearing $200,000 in cash and demanded to be taken to Mexico. Minutes after takeoff, he jumped out of the plane and into oblivion, touching off decades of investigation, speculation, and fascination. Dan Cooper, who was later erroneously identified by a reporter as D.B. Cooper, the name that has stuck for decades, was never found dead or alive, and the crime remains unsolved, notes the complaint filed Thursday in U.S. District Court in Washington by Thomas Colbert, uh, Colbert who seeks to obtain the FBI's entire file on the investigation. The FBI announced in July it was no longer actively investigating the case, but Colbert, a TV and film executive with law enforcement experience, believes he and his team of 40 former FBI agents, criminologists, journalists, and attorneys have figured out who Cooper was and what has become of him. Colbert's team has zeroed in on San Diego resident Robert Rackstraw. Now, if I was Robert Rackstraw right now, 72 years old, living in San Diego, if I was not D.B. Cooper, I would be going crazy. But if I was D.B. Cooper and I'm Robert Rackstraw in San Diego, I'd be checking out uh, driving across the border to Tijuana. But anyway, back to the story. Uh, Robert Rackstraw in San Diego, age of 72, the man who jumped out of the plane at 10,000 feet into 200-mile-per-hour winds in pitch darkness, taking with him a small fortune. Think about it, 200000 in 1971, that's a lot of money. The team named Rackstraw as the possible suspect on a two-part History Channel show in July. Rackstraw had been a person of interest but was never charged by the FBI. Rackstraw could not be reached for comment, and the FBI declined to discuss the lawsuit. 
Attorney Mark Zed, who represents Colbert, said the cold case team has assembled an overwhelming 18 pieces of evidence, including DNA, forensic documents, letter trails, and interviews with former wives and mistresses that point to Rackstraw. Much of the evidence, Zaid said, was left out of the History Channel documentary. The guy's background fits to a T, Zaid said. It reads like a Tom Clancy or Robert Ludlum novel. The complaint lists several biographical elements and anecdotes. This is all from a Fox News article, by the way, to give credit where credit's due, published September 8, 2016. Uh, back to it here. The complaint, uh, several biographical anecdotes alleged regarding Rackstraw, whose cold case team believes pulled off the caper to stick it to the man, so to speak, uh, quote-unquote. We're not only seeking the discoveries of investigative files, but we have laid out why we believe that Robert Rackstraw is the suspect, Zaid said. Theories about what became of Cooper have come and gone over the years, including alleged sightings and newly emerged clues. Many believe he died and his body was lost in the dense wilderness of the Washington-Oregon border. The most tantalizing clue to surface was the 1980 discovery of $5,800 on the, of the ransom money found buried along the Columbia River. No one knows if the money was buried by the hijacker scattered from the fall or found by someone and then buried, but the serial numbers match the money given to Cooper. Tom Colbert, who has written a book on the Cooper case, said Rackstraw eluded investigators for years. And then finally, Colbert says this. This has been a scab on the side of the FBI for years. And I have seen a documentary about the $5,800 that was found. It was found perfectly stacked, so it wasn't like strewn about. Perfectly stacked. Obviously, someone had actually buried it. It wasn't just washed up on shore. You think about a stack of bills, if you were to put them in the river, for example, the the paper that would hold them together would dissolve pretty quickly. Someone had buried the stack of bills, presumably, on the side of the riverbank neatly and still in its stack. And so and it was miles and miles away from where they uh, assume um, D.B. Cooper had jumped. So it's a very interesting clue they found 1980. And uh, most of the bills were still intact and they were able to get the serial numbers right off of them. So some forensic science there, and always interesting to hear of a story like that. Now, prison escapes. Successful prison escapes. This is a bizarre stuff category uh, from one news site that uh, I found today. And um, these are different prison escapes that just capture your imagination if you think about these. Like this one. John Dillinger, remember the famous uh, criminal in America in the 1930s, John Dillinger, after his arrest, 1934, sent to Lake County Jail, which is thought to be, quote-unquote, escape-proof because of the guards who were a mix of policemen and National Guards troops. But Dillinger only took this as a challenge. He fashioned a fake gun out of a bar of soap before stealing a sheriff's brand-new Ford and fleeing to Illinois. But... Ironically, according to this article, driving a stolen vehicle across state lines is what brought him into the trouble with the FBI, which led to him being shot to death. How about this one? Not all these people are criminals that escaped from prison. Alfred Wetzler's death camp escape. Alfred Wetzler is famous for being one of the few Jews that successfully escaped from Auschwitz death camp during the Holocaust. One evening, on the evening of the Passover, Wetzler and his friend climbed inside of a hollowed-out woodpile that was supposed to build a section for new arrivals. Accomplices then placed boards around the two and sprinkled the ground around the wood with Russian tobacco soaked in gasoline to keep the dogs from locating them. The two hid for four nights before donning Dutch suits. 
overcoats and boots, uh, so suits, overcoats, and boots that they had stolen from the camp and headed for the Polish border using a page from a child's atlas as a reference. And they survived. How about this? Uh, the Sobobor death camp was part of the Nazis' Operation Reinhardt, the plan to murder both European and Polish Jews, and the introduction of mass killing facilities, which housed Leon Feldhindler and Alexander Pichersky, the first lieutenant Russian POW. Under the guidance of the two, prisoners made knives and other edged weapons in the prison's workshops, and they invited or waited for the officers to come to the shop to pick up something they had demanded to be repaired and then killed them. Half of the 600 prisoners escaped, making this one of the biggest and most successful prison escapes in the 20th century. Or, 1944, of course, the great escape. Steve McQueen almost made it with the motorcycle and got sent back to the hot box. Anyway, 1944 escape of 76 Allied soldiers sounds like something that you would only, only be possible in a Hollywood film set. A group of soldiers dug three tunnels, 30 feet under the Stalag Luft III German prison using construction methods like wood blocks for support, a series of lamps, and even pumps to make sure the soldiers had air to breathe while they dug. Despite their preparation, though, the soldiers ended the tunnel just short of the forest in plain sight of the guards outside the gate. While 76 managed to escape, the 77th was spotted, which started a massive manhunt where all but three of the escapees were caught. This could be the most touching and successful prison escape of all time. And it was memorialized in the loosely based on the story, uh, The Great Escape. The famous escape from Alcatraz, and there's a ton of articles about this and stories and books and movies. Uh, Clint Eastwood made a movie about it, The Escape from Alcatraz, one of the most daring prison breaks ever committed. Frank Morris, Clarence, and John Anglin broke out of the infamous Alcatraz prison in 1962 using a series of makeshift tools that would make MacGyver jealous, including a drill that was made from a vacuum cleaner's motor. The three chipped away the concrete walls in their cells to escape into a nearby ventilation shaft before making their way from the ventilation shaft to the beach. Then they escaped on a homemade raft in the San Francisco Bay, where they were never heard from again. While many presume they died in the bay, no bodies were ever found, making this one of the most elaborate and successful prison escapes in American history. And uh, I believe they found the makeshift raft uh, later on on the shore across from it. And it has been proven that a decent swimmer can swim, even without a raft, from Alcatraz to the shore. Now, it is shark-infested water, and it's freezing cold, but you never know. Dieter Dingler's jungle prison escape. German-American Navy pilot shot down and thrown into a jungle prison camp during Vietnam War had an ace up his sleeve. He possessed the ability to escape from any mock POW camp that he was put into during training. In 1966, he and six others escaped their restraints and disappeared in the jungle after killing three other guards. 23 days later, Dingler was rescued, dehydrated with the marks from both mosquitoes and leeches by an American helicopter. He became famous as the only American soldier to successfully escape from a prison camp during Vietnam, making this one of the most amazing, successful prison escapes of all time. I thought more men had escaped, but I guess not. Frank Abagnale, of course, the catch-me-if-you-can guy, uh, he was thrown into prison in 1971 when being transported without detention commitment papers. Abigail saw an opportunity to get out. Over the next few weeks, he worked with a friend, Jean Sebring, to lead guards to believe that he was really an undercover inspector and produced cards to that effect. Shortly after, prison guards called Sebring, who backed up Frank's story. The befuddled guards, thinking they were smart, let Frank out, allowing him 
and Sebring to drive away in one of the most amazing prison breaks that ever happened, right under their noses. How about this one? 1995, I remember hearing about this one. One of the most befuddling prison breaks ever occurred. Keith Rose, Andrew Roger, and Matthew Williams worked together to make a 25-foot steel ladder to scale the prison fence. While working in the prison sheet metal shop, the three fashioned a gun and a key that, as far as guards know, was carved from the memory of one of the three uh, that had just seen in the prisoner off- prison office officer's copy of the key, basically. And the end of their gym time, the three waited until the guards were busy, unlocked the back door, and walked out. Then they cut a hole in the inner fence and scaled the outer fence with the ladder. All this work was done in vain, though, and they were caught four days later hiding in a shed. Pascal Payette. This is a very famous one um, just because the mental image of this guy escaping is pretty impressive. Payette was a French criminal who took advantage of the exercise yards that most European prisons have on their roofs. Originally incarcerated for a murder following a Bosch security van robbery, Payette had his friends pick him up from the roof on a jail in a hijacked chopper in 2001. Two years later, he revisited the prison with another helicopter, helping three others escape. After his getting arrested again in 2007, he escaped from the Grass Prison in South France again by helicopter. This time, the accomplice hijacked the plane and forced the pilot to fly them to the Mediterranean, after which they let the pilot go and they disappeared. Pascal Payette. I think he's still out there. And I believe his wife was one of his accomplices, if I remember reading this right. And then finally, the amazing shrinking man, Choi Gap-Bak, arrested of suspicion of robbery in South Korea, September 12, 2012. Gap-Bak waited until the evening of September 17th before asking the guards to bring him his special cream, quote-unquote. Once they had, he coated the upper part of his body and waited for the guards to fall asleep. After they had, he squeezed through a 6-inch tall, 18-inch wide food slot at the bottom of his cell in 34 seconds and escaped. After a nationwide manhunt, he was captured six days later and put into a cell with a smaller food slot to foil any further attempts. And if you see a picture of this 6 by 12 inch, that is a very small hole that he got through. One of the most famous ones in recent history would be, of course, El Chapo. Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, 2001, escaped from a high-security prison in a laundry cart. took authorities 13 years to catch him, so he was free till 2014, and they didn't hold him for that long. After only 17 months back in prison, prison El Chapo Guzman, uh, El Chapo means shorty, by the way, stepped into a shower at a maximum security prison, crawled through a hole, and vanished through a mile-long tunnel, apparently built just for him. A mile-long tunnel. Built just for him. The tunnel through which the leader of the Sinalo Sinalo cartel made his escape was not just a hole in the ground. It was complete with lighting, ventilation, and even modified motorcycle on tracks. It was likely used to remove the dirt during the excavation and transport the tools for the dig. The tunnel began with a 20 by 20 inch or 50 by 50 centimeter opening inside the shower of Guzman's cell. Talk about planning. That would take some serious, serious planning. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about who are the most wanted people. You've heard of the FBI most wanted list, right? Well, let me let me give you. Uh, remember uh, White, uh, Whitey Bulger uh, was number one. Uh, Osama bin Laden has been on that list as number one. Well, uh, I think maybe even Frank Abagnale, the guy I mentioned uh, earlier, he had been on FBI's most wanted list for counterfeiting. Well, here are the 10 most wanted for the FBI's list right now. William Bradford Bishop Jr., 
William Robert William Fisher, Alexis Flores, Yasser Abdel Said, Louis Macedo, Jason Derek Brown, Fidel Urbina, Eduardo Ravello, Victor Manuel Garina, and then Shanika S. Minor. She was recently captured. She has actually been brought into custody now. Number one on the FBI's most wanted list uh, for um, crimes, not as terrorists or anything like that, but unlawful flight to avoid prosecution and murder with a blunt instrument, William Bradford Bishop Jr. He was born in 1936. He was a United States government foreign service officer in 1976. Listen to this. He speaks English, French, Italian, Serbo-Croatian, and Spanish. He's a smart guy. There's a reward of up to $100,000 for information leading directly to the arrest of William Bradford Bishop. Bishop was and may still be an avid outdoorsman, camper, hiker. He has extensive camping experience in Africa. He also enjoyed canoeing, fishing, swimming, jogging, tennis, skiing, and riding motorcycles. He enjoyed working out several times a week. He was also a licensed amateur pilot who learned to fly in Botswana, Africa. He has an American Studies degree from Yale University and a master's degree in Italian from Middlebury College in Vermont. He was known to read extensively and may have kept a diary or journal. A longtime insomniac, Bishop reportedly had been under psychiatric care in the past and had used medication for depression. He drank scotch and wine, enjoyed eating peanuts and spicy food. He was described as an intense and self-absorbed, prone to violent outbursts, and preferred neat and orderly environments. So, he's the number one most wanted, William Bradford Bishop Jr. Number two, Robert William Fisher, and they have his pictures. You can go to FBI Most Wanted list. Fisher, physically fit, avid outdoorsman. He's wanted for unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, first-degree murder, three counts, arson of an occupied structure. He's a hunter, fisherman, noticeable gold crown on his upper tooth. And basically, um, give some. they give not only the pictures of the time that he had been arrested, 1997, but age-enhanced photography, what he might look like now with his face a little heavier and with some facial hair or whatever, or gray Yasser Abdel Saeed, same thing. Louis Macedo. You go through all these. I even have two bank robbers. They're not on the top 10 most wanted overall list, but they make the top 10 most wanted bank robbers in the United States. Michael James Kites and uh, DeRoy King Jr. DeRoy King Jr., armed bank robbery. Michael James Kites, just bank robbery. One's from Massachusetts, one's from Virginia. And uh, both these guys has all their pictures, has all their information. Basically, they both, uh, uh, it looks like one of them is a, a veteran and uh, maybe a little mentally ill. But I was thinking about the bank robbers because I saw this article from this year, uh, just a couple weeks ago. The FBI releases new bank robbers mobile app. And back in December 2012, the FBI launched its bank robbers website featuring a gallery of unknown bank robbery suspects wanted by the Bureau. Because the FBI in its own bank robbery investigations focuses on most violent or the most prolific serial offenders who often cross jurisdictions, the suspects include bank are included on bankrobbers.fbi.gov. And, and there are a dangerous lot, and a public, public assistance in identifying them plays a crucial role in their efforts to apprehend them. So they rolled out this app. And uh, if you go to your app store and you look up FBI bank robbers, as I did earlier today, you can now download the bank robbers app. And you can type in, for example, like what area you're from. So let's say I I live in uh, Denver, Colorado. So I type in Denver here. Uh, Denver. 
D-E-N-V-E-R. And I can see all of the bank robbers that are from this area of Denver, for example. And uh, like I typed in the state of Missouri, for example, earlier, and it shows every unidentified bank robber or even identified bank robbers in Missouri. And you can look up exactly the description. It shows a picture of them from from surveillance footage. And uh, you can actually keep an eye out for bank robbers. This is the most unusual app I've ever downloaded on my phone. I'm looking at, like right now, for Atlanta, Georgia, description of this white male medium build shows his picture, the ball cap, multiple pictures from the from the camera angle behind the counter. And uh, this was a bank robbery that happened on August 22nd. and gives um, all the information. You can actually call the FBI or submit a tip right from the app. Very interesting. Kind of creepy. On the other hand, it's a, it's a great use of technology, hopefully, to uh, bring in the bad guys. So anything we can do to help our boys in blue. Speaking of helping, let me help you a little bit with just keeping an eye out for some of the cyber crimes that are out there. I had a friend a couple years ago that he sold a TV on Craigslist. And what he got was a, an envelope in the mail. There was a big mailing envelope that had a smaller envelope in it. The envelope in the mail had one name and address on it. The smaller envelope had another mail name and address on it, and it had a letter with another name and address on it. And then the email had a different name and address with instructions that basically he was selling the TV for $300. They sent him $5,000. They said, you know, our secretary made a mistake. They wrote the check for too much. Could you please cash the whole check, then deposit by wire transfer, by like MoneyGram or Western Union, all but 500 keep 200 for yourself for trouble and send back $4500 to this western union account and then we'll arrange for someone to come pick up the television so my friend almost tried to cash that check and i was like dude have you ever read at the top of craigslist they 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 warn you about this you cannot do this and i actually took the letter and everything and the check to the local police department where i was at and they said so many of these scams happen, they don't even go after them. Because a lot of times they're from outside the country and things like that. The only time it becomes a crime is once the person cashes the check. Then the person is liable for being part of that crime. And I've actually met people here on Guam who got sucked into similar scams. Well, here are some of the top online scams used by cyber criminals to trick you. This has been updated recently. This is from a security firm. So phishing email scams, this is where they... Um, make communication with you via email or social network, and they're basically trying to get into your uh, account information for different email and things like that. Uh, secondly, the money laundering scheme is also called the Nigerian scam or the 419 scam. This is a very old scam, but it happens every day you get hit. If, if you are on email a lot, you'll get almost daily someone trying to get you to participate in this scam. Greeting card scam, a lot of times uh, you'll get something that says you've, been, you've received a Hallmark e-card. I've had this happen to me. I thought it was one because it was close to an anniversary or birthday. You click on it, and it's actually an attachment. If you see it's a, it's a win or a zip file, do not open it. These things are full of malware and advertising and things, and it's a scam. 
guaranteed bank loan or credit card scam. These things oftentimes uh, they offer a pre-approved loan for a, a killer amount, but use your common sense. If it's too good to be true, it always is. The hitman scam, um, uh, basically someone contacts you, and this is a scary one. They say that they've been hired to kill you, but if you provide a certain amount of money that they won't do it. Romance scams, this is where people uh, from West Africa are trying to find uh, people to get involved with uh, through like uh, electronic relationships. And then what they do is they, they even they get these people so romantically attached to them that they want to get engaged. And then they say, oh, we got to get married. And then at the last minute, oh, my passport's held up. I need $500 to, so I can come see you right away. And people fall for this because they follow their hearts instead of their brains. Fake antivirus software. Don't click on it. If it says you must download this right now, talk to your IT administrator. Do not download uh, any type of antivirus software without talking to an expert, no matter how uh, legitimate. I mean, that's the thing about a scam. It's a counterfeit. They try and make it look legit. Um, Make money fast scams. I get every day in my um, firewall filter, I get multiple advertisements a day for making money fast. Travel scams where they offer you too good of a deal to be true on a great deal to a great destination um, for just dollars. And then what you find out in the small print is there's all kinds of other fees attached and they really hook you and you could even get uh, just totally taken to the cleaner. And then finally, let me just say this, Ponzi schemes. Watch out for Ponzi schemes. Um, Ponzi schemes may seem like a modern invention, but actually they go back nearly a century to Charles Ponzi, who devised the very first one. A lot of Americans are wary of them these days as well, as names like Bernie Madoff have made the news for pillaging tens of billions from investors. Ponzi schemes basically work by taking in investments, promising big returns, and then keeping the money. Investors do see some returns as new ones come in from new investors and it gets shuffled around, but basically, sometimes these are attached to pyramid schemes, and you want to steer clear for sure. You do not want to get taken into a Ponzi scheme or any of these scams. There's a lot of good information out there. Be an informed consumer. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about September 11th. Stick around. I'm Jared Baldwin, and this is Live Till 5. Walk with me, walk with me, Lord, God, walk with me, while I'm on this old tedious journey, I want Jesus to walk with me. And we're back with the last few minutes of Live Till 5. It's Friday, September 9th, 4.56 p.m. Looking at September 11th this Sunday, memorializing the 15th anniversary of that tragedy. You know, we think of September 11th. There are many other famous things happened on September 11th. It's the Ethiopian New Year. There was a 1973 President Salvador Allende was deposed in Chile. Um, the Battle of Sterling Bridge, groundbreaking ceremony, ironically, of the Pentagon was September 11th, 1941. Uh, a number of other uh, famous things, but September 11th will always, forever in history, be marked by 
the tragedy of the attack, September 11th, total number killed in the attacks on New York, 2,753. That's just in New York. Number of firefighters and paramedics killed, 343. And that's 23 New York Police Department officers and 37 Port Authority officers. Uh, World Trade Center World Trade Center companies that lost people, 128 different companies. 1,400 people died in just Tower 1. 614 died in Tower 2. 658 people in one company, Cantor Fitzgerald. 2,343 people died in Operation Enduring Freedom after that. Uh, 115 different nations were affected by 9-11. People died from 115 different nations. Three to one man to woman ratio of who died. Age of the greatest number who died was 35 to 39 year olds. Estimated units of blood donated, 36,000 units of blood donated to the New York Blood Center alone. 258 of those units were actually used in life-saving procedures. Do you know that year, uh, 274 retirements in the FD uh, Fire Department in New York, and then the next year, 661 three times the number of normal retirements. Number of firefighters on leave for respiratory problems, then next year, 300. Rudolph Giuliani, uh, Giuliani, the governor or mayor of New York City, attended 200 funerals. And it goes on and on. It was a $1.4 billion uh, a charity fundraiser. $40.2 billion of insurance was paid out, $500 million uh, for funds dedicated just to NYPD and FDNY families. Pentagon increase of Peace Corps applications, 40%. Percentage increase of CIA applications after 2001, 50% increase. And the last two stats here, number of Americans who changed their 2001 holiday travel plans from plane to train, 1.4 million an estimated number of New Yorkers suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder from 9-11, 422,000 people diagnosed with PTSD from that. Very sad. As we look back at 9-11 and what happened on that fateful day, we, uh, we remember, never want to forget. We hope to have a safer country in the future than we've, than we've ever had. And uh, if you're here at Harvest Baptist Church this Sunday morning, we will take a moment to memorialize that that time with a short video and a prayer and we encourage you to visit us 10 30 a.m here at sunday sunday at harvest baptist church this is live till five i'm jared baldwin your host and that's the end of our two-hour broadcast catch us again noon to two saturday 7 to 9 p.m sunday night here on 88.1 fm khmg barragata guam stay tuned for srn news